Welcome to Major Figures in Spanish Culture, a podcast produced by Fundación Juan Marc. In each episode, we invite renowned experts to sit down and share stories about some of Spain's most distinguished figures who have greatly influenced and contributed to the advancement and richness of Spanish culture. In the eyes of José Ortega y Gasset, a philosopher above everything else, man's greatest problem was understanding life as he immersed himself into a growingly complex modern society. He believed that Spain had been on a steady decline, both historically and politically, since the 16th century. He blamed Spain's values and collective beliefs that were saturated by popular traditions and mentality for this downturn and believed social leadership should be placed in the hands of intellectually cultivated and independent-minded individuals. Here to tell us more about José Ortega y Gasset is Juan Pablo Fusi, Emeritus Professor of Contemporary History at the Universidad Complutense de Madrid. Well, this lecture is about Ortega y Gasset uh, because I consider Ortega, as we call it in Spain, as the most important intellectual a Spanish intellectual of the 20th century. More, I would say, than Unamuno could be or might be the alternative to Ortega. But Unamuno was a very unsystematic and arbitrary contradictory thinker, and he was a solitary man, never joined others in the, an intellectual uh, project. And Ortega, instead, was a very systematic thinker with a clear idea of what he wanted to do. He had a philosophy, he had a view on politics, he had an idea of what Spain he wanted to, uh, to have, a liberal national Spain, and also Spain as a European uh, country. First, a sort of a short portrait of Ortega. Ortega, according to one of his disciples, Huescar, also a philosopher, uh, his face was, was, had an earthly tone. It was chiseled by uh, deep cracks. His, his head was noble and powerful. He had a very diaphanous gaze and a penetrating uh, gaze, sometimes looked like lost in thought. And he was had a very persuasive voice. Some people found Ortega uh, cold, distant, arrogant. Others, particularly to his disciples, he was just the opposite. He was very understanding, hospitable, proud, and but extremely kind, as other of the disciples, Julian Marías, uh, put it. Uh, he was a monumental writer. Sometimes he was an exceptional writer. If I have to choose uh, one example, I would put the foreword he wrote in 1942 for a book called, that entitled uh, 20 Years of Big Hunting, which was by, written in 42, 1942 by the Count of Jebes, which is a extraordinary prologue of, of Ortega, 40, 50 uh, pages long, in which uh, his prose is, uh, as I said, exceptional and extraordinary. And the second point is about, uh, after the portrait, I would like to say is that uh, Ortega was, above all, he was a philosopher, and he shouldn't be understood as a philosopher, uh, nor as the author only of the Revolt of the Masses, his most uh, well-known uh, book in the in the world. 
but he had always this, who was professionally was a philosopher, and he should understood as such. Uh, Maria, as I said before, one of his, the, uh, his disciples says that Ortega life was defined, uh, shaped, and guided by philosophy. And Ortega himself, in 1922, he wrote, intellectuals are only useful as such, as intellectuals, that is, in the unpremeditated search for truth or when pursuing elusive beauty. Ortega was a philosopher. He studied in Germany, in Marburg, and uh, between 1905 and 1911. Uh, Marburg at the time was one of the most interesting places for philosophy in Germany, so-called Neo-Kantian school. But Ortega was educated uh, there, And he enunciated the, was to be the, 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 the seminal idea of his thought in his first book. And his first book was Meditation on Quixote, published in 1914. And in that book, which is a miscellaneous of different things, it's not a systematic book about philosophy, but Ortega put the most well-known phrase of all his thought. I am myself, I am my circumstance. If I don't save it, my circumstance... I don't save myself. He had this bit of uh, agonic language about salvation uh, of man and salvation of the nation in which he lived. I am myself, I am my circumstance. Life, uh, or the philosophy of life, was going to be the central object of Ortega's philosophy. Life is uh, what we do and what happens to us. My life consists, he said in 1932, in my being forced to exist in a specific circumstance, individual life, my life, each person's life, for Ortega was the essential point of view, the essential perspective about man and society. This individual point of view seems to me the only point of view from which one can consider the world in his truth. In other words, each man is a universe in itself. For Ortega, like uh, other, like for other continental philosophers of the first part of the 20th century, men like Diltai, Bergson, Scheller, Jaspers, uh, Heidegger, life was the radical problem of philosophy. Life is the definition of that mode of being, that type primal reality that we call our life. That is what you have to do. To life means the inexorable obligation, again Ortega in 1932, life means the inexorable obligation to realize the project of existence that each of one is. So, what he called uh, vital reason, life as uh, the radical reality of men. And that is what we have to do, try to define our life, our existence. In other words, man's problem was understanding life. And as I think everybody could imagine, uh, life uh, for the 20th century man, man of the first part of the 20th century, man of Ortega's times, uh, life was becoming more and more a complex thing, a very complicated, a difficult defiance. This man, man of the 20th century, was immersed in a new and complex modernity modernity defined by industrialization, large cities, uh, development of science and technology, mass society, political and social pluralism, nationalisms, class conflict, uh, secularization. Life for this man uh, was presided over by insecurity 
and uncertainty, particularly so after the First World War, in which civil, European civilization was clearly in crisis. This crisis is what Ortega wanted to explain in his most well-known, which I mentioned before, The Revolt of the Masses, uh, was a book about the crisis of this new modernity, which Ortega identified this crisis with a very simple thesis, uh, the fact that what happened in European civilization in the world uh, since the end of the 19th century and beginning of the 20th century was the revolt of the masses, the emergence of masses everywhere as a consequence, as a result of the 19th century social changes and economic changes and improvements in the standards of life, changes in demography, changes in the in medicine, changes in the reduction of infant mortality, incredible improvements in collective uh, sanitary conditions, and so on and so forth. Uh, and so the result was the presence of masses everywhere in politics, through universal suffrage, through mass political parties, and many other things, and the emergence of a new type of man, what we call mass man, a man which was gregarious and moral, and amoral, and a man which had came to prevail in social in collective life in the 1920s and 1930s. The second part of the book, The Revolt of the Masses, was that Europe uh, had failed miserably in the First World War, in 1914-1918, had lost, Europe had lost his moral strength, Europe no longer ruled the world. And uh, Ortega appealed in the second part of the book to the formation, to the creation of the United States of Europe as the last hope for Europe and for European civilization. He used to say later, much, much later, in the late 40s, that he was the dean of the idea of European Union. This is not true. In the 1920s, there were at least 10 or more books about the, Euro the need of a European unity. There was a movement, which Ortega knew quite well because he was uh, at least a member, uh, a formal member of the, of the movement, a movement called Pan-Europa, was created by a diplomat of the Austria-Hungarian Empire, uh, Count Kondenhove Kalergi, and the idea was quite simple. After uh, the First World War, the only solution for Europe was the unity of Europe. Uh, Count Kalergi, for those always recognized by the today's European Union, uh, one of, of the founding fathers eh, of the idea of the Union. So Ortega was in line with other European thinkers about the United States of Europe, was not the only one. Perhaps his originality was that he linked that uh, with the emergence of the mass society, of mass men, and their need to react to regenerate Europe through unity against the failure which has been the First World War. So Ortega had first a philosophy of existence in which life was the main point of reflection. Second, he tried to identify or define the crisis of modernity. Third point in Ortega's thought was Spain. He was born in Madrid in 1883. He came from a family of um, intellectuals and, and newspaper men on the, on the part of the father and a rich uh, family of politicians and entrepreneurs in the part of the, his mother, or Gasset, the second uh, family name of Ortega, Ortega and Gasset. Um, 
and he was born in Madrid in Spain, and Spain was the national circumstance of Ortega. I am myself and my circumstance. Spain was the special and close circumstance to Ortega. Ortega became, as I said before, the leader of Spanish intellectual life, if we want to put it in year, in 1914, for two things because he published his book, Meditations on Quixote, and because he gave this extraordinary lecture in theater in Madrid, in the center of Madrid, on March 1914, 28th of March 1914. The title of the lecture was Old and New Politics. It was everybody who was somebody in Madrid was there, attending this young man of 30 years of age, well known before, even if he hadn't published a single book before, And the, the, this, uh, in this uh, lecture, uh, he defines Spain as a problem, both as a historical and as a, a political problem. Uh, historical problem, Ortega um, believed that Spain, uh, history of Spain since the 16th century, the end of the 16th century was the history of a permanent and continuous decline. And he said that the cause of this decline was the, because Spain lacked since the beginning of the 17th century, of eminent uh, ruling minorities. This was the great tragedy of Spain. And uh, a political problem because uh, what had been a great empire after this decline of the, of the 17th and 18th century and, and the almost destruction of Spain during the period uh, 1800 to 1840, Spain has become a very poor country with a weak, inefficient, and a small state, and Spain was not a truly national, modern national state. This is what they have to answer. This is the duty of his generation. This is what Ortega wanted to do, to try to uh, create in Spain a mm, true national modern state that he believed has to be associated with liberalism and um, to put an end to the disaster of the 19th century, which culminated in the disaster of 1898. The disaster of 1898 was insurrection in Cuba, a war with the United States, a complete defeat of the Spanish Navy, not so much the army. The army had Cuba and Philippines, the Philippines under control, but nevertheless, the destruction of the Navy meant that it was impossible to support uh, from Spain that army isolated in Cuba and Philippines, the loss uh, of Cuba, Puerto Rico, and the Philippines. So Spain, was. Uh, this was the disaster of 98, which really um, impressed very much Ortega, his conference, and part of his political behavior afterwards was to try to uh, regenerate Spain, to reform Spain, to be uh, made of Spain, to, uh, to make Spain modern state a strong modern liberal Midrash. That was the idea which was in the conference, in the lecture he gave in 1914. It was also more or less the, the argument, the main argument of Ortega in 
over the, of his very famous book, Invertebrate Spain, uh, uh, which was published in, in 1921, but which had appeared before in newspapers in the form of articles. And so the idea was recurrent in, in, in Ortega since 1914. Uh, the idea that Spain was an invertebrate country, a country destroyed by internal, regional, and class conflicts, and uh, that uh, reform was necessary. Ortega saw, in other words, a divorce, a divorce between official Spain and what he called vital Spain. Official Spain, for Ortega, the institutions, the monarchy, political parties, governments, was a dead Spain, a sort of a, of a landscape of phantoms. Vital Spain, instead, was a germinal, vital, new Spain, What was this new Spain? Well, intellectuals, uh, new professions, lawyers, doctors in medicine, uh, bankers and people of the world of finance, middle classes, not only Madrid, middle classes, uh, the urban middle classes in the provinces of Spain, which Ortega thought was the real Spain. And, well, uh, Ortega, in 1914, and later appealed, I mean, to this Spain, to this germinal new Spain, to... The great task that Ortega called this Spain was the reform of Spain, to make Spain, as I said before, a liberal, a true national state. He used two words, liberalism and nationalization. Nationalization meant, in Ortega's world, a true national state because he thought Spain was marked by localism and, that, uh, and by the weight of uh, local uh, concerns on Spanish life, and that was the problem for the nation. In order to, to fulfill this task, Ortega part of, wrote many articles, and he created a number of projects of cultural institutions. First, in 1914, the so-called League of Political Education was an, almost a non-existent uh, sort of league, was signed apparently for almost 100 intellectuals with the idea of acting in Spain in support of Ortega's idea, but was not effective in any case. In 1930, he created the Association for the Republic. I will say something in a minute about that. But this work was, again, a sort of intellectual political party or party of intellectuals, Ortega, the writers Pérez de Ayala and Antonio Machado, the poet Antonio Machado, um, the physician Marañón, which was one of the great Spanish personalities of the, of the time, but they put together this Association for the Republic in order to work for a change in the form of a state at the service of this idea of uh, open Spain to this new vital and vigorous new Spain, which Ortega had defined uh, and appealed to in 1914. And also Ortega uh, created a number of uh, periodical publications, all were created around Ortega and for Ortega. As newspapers, as a daily newspaper, the most important thing was the, the appearance, the publication of The Sun, El Sol, since December 1917, obviously was not uh, financed by Ortega. And uh, Ortega was not the editor of the newspaper, but was the main intellectual there, and the, the paper was created for him. It was the idea of an, a Spanish tycoon named Urgoiti, which was the owner of the, some publishing houses in Spain and had uh, industrial paper making as well. 
And, uh, well, he put, uh, he created this newspaper, which was the most important newspaper in Spain since 1917 to the Civil War. Ortega published again and again articles with his name, editorials, and, uh, and editorials as well, uh, until 1931. So there was 14 years in which Ortega and really was the, 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 the main writer for the Sun, for the newspaper. And the, the other cultural journal I want to mention, because it still exists, is Revista de Occidente, Western Review, a monthly publication, which was edited by Ortega. He designed everything in the, the, from the type of letter to the to this, uh, size of the newspaper, to the uh, selected the, 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 all the members of the editing board and so on and so forth. And, and he was the, the owner of the, of the journal. And also, uh, Revista de Occidente, Western Re uh, Review, had uh, a collection of books. And Ortega was also, I mean, the, main, the editor of those books in which he published mainly man, many uh, writers of uh, uh, um, German writers and German thinkers, not only, also French and British or whatever, but it was open to the European culture with this idea that Spain was a, was a cultural nation, it was, uh, Spain was a European nation, and, that, and for instance, Spain should be open to anything coming from uh, from. In Europe. These were complementary of his political views, these ideas of the new Spain and the liberal, liberal and national Spain. Uh, for a time, Ortega uh, believed that uh, uh, the reform of Spain was possible under, under the monarchy. He um, said that Spain had still to do the monarchist uh, experience, but in the 1920s he changed. After the dictatorship of Primo de Rivera, who, by the way, he, like the most most of Spain, uh, supported for three or four years, but after the problems created by the dictatorship, problems with the army, with branches of the army, with the students, with the economy, um, Ortega became convinced that the monarchy was not a national institution in Spain and it was necessary to change the form of a state. Then, then is when he created the Association for the Republic in 1930 with other intellectuals, and he clearly opted for the Republic. It was this one of the most famous uh, articles in Spanish newspaper history, written by Ortega in November uh, 1930. Well, the title is not meaningful, it's the Berenguer problem. Berenguer was a military man who was appointed prime minister at the beginning of 1930, uh, the, the, the important thing was the thesis of the article, which is what I said before. The monarchy is not anymore a national institution. We have to change the state. And it finished with the words in Latin, the lenda est monarchia, the monarchy has to be destroyed. Uh, which was a very strong word. Uh, the Republic was proclaimed in April 1931 after funnily enough, local elections. But these local elections were, everybody thought, even the king, that was a sort of referendum about the monarchy. And when the cities voted for, for the republic in the 12th of, the, of April 1931, the republic was next, two days before, uh, afterwards were proclaimed uh, first in the Basque Country and then in Madrid. And Spain and the king abandoned Spain and the republic was proclaimed in Spain. Ortega saw at the beginning the Republic 
as the embodiment of that new vital germinal Spain he had called for in 1914, but it was going to become very disappointed very, very soon. Another big lecture, public lecture he gave in December 1931 was called The Rectification of the Republic. And um, Ortega more or less uh, did not abandon the Republic. He continued to be uh, in Parliament in the Spanish Congress because he had been elected in the elections, in general elections in June 1931. But he was very disappointed with the, the anti-clericalism of the Republic, with the, the sectarianism of the Second Republic, and with the exclusivism of the uh, Second Republic and the ex exclusion of the right I mean, from the Republic, and um, began to, th to think also that the Republic was not um, the sort of national state he had uh, thought it would be. Nevertheless, he continued to be in Parliament until October 32, and he intervened very much in debates about Spain, about, about above all, the territorial organization of New Spain. Ortega wanted somehow something similar to a regional state. He was thinking of a Spain with a number of regions, 12, 15, but not defined the number of regions. He talked about the Spanish uh, historical regions, In other words, he didn't believe in, uh, in self-government only for Catalonia and the Basque Country and perhaps in Galice, Galicia. He wanted a sort of regional state, regionalization of Spain, not because he was well, he adopted or shared the views of the regions but uh, of Catalans or the Basque, but just because he believed that the real man, the real Spaniard, was the man of the provinces and that they have uh, the right to have some sort of self-government. And regional government, a sort of a federal state with a, another name, but that was the idea of Spain uh, that Ortega had and that he fought for in the debates about the Constitution in 31-32, but was abandoned politics uh, uh, at, the, at the end of 1932. Uh, by the way, Ortega had always think that he was a passerby in politics. He was a sort of ephemeral phase in his life. He was not a politician. On the contrary, he even thought that politics was the realm of lies, that politics, as he put it in, 19, in 1923, put, uh, he, he said, uh, politics doesn't uh, aim to understanding things, meaning life, man, and society. Was the was the realm was the of uh, of light. So he was always uncomfortable in politics. And after he resigned from Parliament in October 1932, Ortega went back to philosophy, went back to university, went back to his intellectual uh, life. Uh, 32-36 was perhaps one of the most uh, fruitful periods in his philosophical life. He went back to his some of his uh, most cherished uh, cherished uh, subjects. In '32, he published a book called Goethe from Within. Also, he published two volumes of his complete works. Uh, in both of them, Goethe from Within and uh, his complete works, he went back to life as the 
radical uh, reality for men. Goethe, uh, from within, is the sort of uh, biographical essay about uh, Goethe, which the idea is that life is a problem for man, life is, uh, is a wreckage, life is, uh, uh, is, is, is a shipwreck, and that life is always problematic. Uh, the idea is that Goethe betrayed himself because he was not a pure intellectual. He was at the service of the leaders of the uh, of the Weimar state, and uh, he had a bad conscience about himself, and, has, and so he betrayed his vocation. The idea is that intellectuals had to be uh, concerned all with with philosophy, with intellectual life, and anything else is is bad consciousness. Ortega prepared the three other books, one the, which were not published then, published afterwards, but quite important books uh, was Meditation of, of Technique, which was published uh, as a book in 1939, uh, uh, about Galileo, which was published as a book in 1942, was, but with another title, and with title, I said, Uh, about Galileo, published in 1947, and also Historia System, which was published in English in 1935 and in Spanish later in 1941. Uh, this is a very interesting uh, book about, about um, history as a system. Well, Ortega was again talking about uh, life, um, life as the rad radical reality of man. So man was a biographical being, Man was not a biological being, man was a biological, biographical uh, being. Meaning man is what is, has been all through his life, with all the contradictions and with all uh, the rectification of his life. Uh, when one is himself, it's very difficult to say. One is sometimes something uh, and later another thing. And uh, biography is the only explanation we have about somebody's life as a bit uh, at is obvious. But the conclusion is very interesting, which Ortega uh, goes to. Uh, man has no essence, man has only history, which is very close to the, uh, again, to Heidegger, which is a sort of, uh, of parallel thinker to Ortega. Heidegger is extremely difficult, I mean, to follow, Ortega, very clear writer, he said that the clarity is the courtesy of the philosopher when he practiced that. The idea, but, but, but very close to Heidegger because or, uh, Heidegger wrote at the same time, uh, life is only comprehensible through history. I mean, you want to, to know uh, what life is, you have to go to history. history. Life is everything man has done and, and been all through history. Exactly the same idea as Ortega. Ortega called that historical reason, meaning that we don't only have other explanation of us than history. Spain is what Spain has been in history. Man is what he has been uh, in his life. He applied this to um, the view of history. The book about uh, Galileo was an attempt by Ortega to explain crisis in history, and the crisis for uh, uh, Ortega, historical crisis, was the, the change in the world of values and uh, ideas of men, from Christianity to why about Galileo, because 
Otega was writing about Galileo, about Descartes, about Copernicus, about the, the change from a, an explanation of the world based on religion and Christianity and an explanation of the world by, uh, based on reason, Descartes, and science, Galileo, Copernicus, and the other uh, scientists of the 17th century. He believed, Ortega believed, that the world was changing in the 1930s, that not Christianity, not religion, not science and reason, but history was the only way to explain man on earth. And that is what he called historical reason. And this is the second, after life as the radical reality, the second being point of his philosophy, historical reason. Man has no essence, he only has history. This going, Ortega will come again and again in, in, in his later years about this uh, uh, idea, the idea of historical reason, the idea of life as the radical reality, the, the idea of crisis as the destruction of values and ideas or changing values and ideas. He never went back, for instance, to the revolt of the masses or to the idea of the mass society or mass men. He never went back to that. Well, but in this fruitful period of Ortega, as everything in Spain was cut short by the civil war, 36-39. Ortega went into exile in 36 and was in exile until 1945, first in Paris, then in Argentina, then in Lisbon. And um, he went back in Spain in 1945. He never talked eh, about the civil war. He didn't want to talk about the civil war. This is so-called silence of Ortega. Many people on the left and some of his disciples, for instance, Gauss, who went to exile and uh, in Mexico and perhaps after Ortega was the most important Spanish philosopher of the 20th century, and he admired very much Ortega, always spoke very well about Ortega, but he resented very much the silence of, of Ortega about the civil war. But Ortega came back in Spain in 1945, even if he, know, he knew that he didn't die, he didn't have a place in, in Franco's Spain. It was impossible for him to work in Franco's Spain, but he, he didn't like the idea of being in a permanent exile. He didn't, couldn't accept that. He was an Spanish writer, he was an Spaniard, and he wanted to be in Spain. He went back to Spain in 1945. He never went back to the university. He tried to create a private institution, an institute of humanities in 48-49 with one of his disciples, Julian Marias. He had many administrative difficulties and problems and abandoned the idea after a couple of years. And what he did was to write, to give public lectures in Spain only until 1949. He gave a number of lectures in different places of Spain, mainly in Madrid, but also in San Sebastian and other places. And But after that, he, after 1949-1950, never spoke publicly, publicly anymore in Spain. He continued to work very hard. His last books are very interesting, or his last project, because uh, some of them were published, others were not published. He worked about uh, Velázquez, not as an artist, but as, also as a biographical approach to the figure of, of Velázquez. And uh, he uh, uh, wrote about uh, Leibniz. He went uh, spent 1948 
in Lisbon, uh, writing about the idea of principle on Leibniz, uh, because he thought he didn't have a systematic work of philosophy. This was going to be his work, main work on philosophy, was published after he died. The book was completed. He went back, went back to sociology, uh, which he called now man, uh, man and the People. Again, he never talked about mass society. Who was interested on how is articulated man with the other members of society, the people, the uses, the practices, the social styles of life, um, all those sort of things, uh, without uh, sociological interpretations of uh, as such as um, sociology as a social science. But very, very interesting ideas about the importance, for instance, of uses of values as the practices that maintain united a collectivity. Well, he was also uh, was um, finished in the previous books, uh, like uh, um, the new editions of, of many of his books, and he was given lectures uh, in Europe and America. He lectured very much in Germany, went almost every year from 1950 to 55 to Uh, Germany. He went for the first time to the United States, lectured a couple of times in England. He liked very much Lisbon, and as I said, spent 1948 entirely in uh, in Lisbon. He was regarded as a man of letters, an old man of letters in Europe, but there was a tragedy there. Well, Ortega was not interested in post-war philosophy, in his existentialism in French, which was very close to his ideas about life, but uh, he was not interested in that. He recognized just only once that Jean-Paul Sartre was very interested in man, but nothing mentioned that, and never was involved in any sort of dialogue or debate with existentialism. And uh, he ignored completely uh, Anglo-Saxon philosophy, analytical philosophy, linguistic philosophy, and so on and so forth. Uh, logical positivism, he ignored absolutely, and the and continent uh, European post-war philosophy almost ignored Ortega, who was very prestigious as an old man of letters, and well, uh, the last lecture by Ortega, uh, I think, has a very metaphorical uh, value. He went to Venice in 1955, and he lectured about Europe and the idea of Europe in uh, of nation in Europe in the Fundacion Chini in Venice. Well, Venice was eh, as uh, a metaphor. This marvelous city was a sort of expression of, of a vanished civilization, the vanished European civilization. And Ortega was also a metaphor of uh, an old man of letters who represented the vanished phase of the European culture, a phase in which philosophy had been the center of knowledge, the center of thought. The coincidence of Ortega talking about Europe in Venice seems to me it was like the brilliant end for a brilliant career. Ortega went back to Spain. Suddenly he felt sick and they discovered he had the cancer and he died Uh, in October 1955, almost uh, only four or five months after giving his lecture in Venice. And uh, he remained, uh, as I said before, uh, for many Spaniards as the 
main leader of Spanish uh, intellectuality between 1900 1995. His philosophy uh, has remained, he had a, a number, as I said before, the disciples, very important ones, Gauss, Wesker, Marias, others, and uh, has been a certain revival of uh, Ortega's philosophy in the 1990s with uh, new generations, with new philosophers. Thank you for joining us on Major Figures in Spanish Culture. Join us next time with Julio Jensen, Associate Professor in the Department of English, Germanic, and Romance Studies at the University of Copenhagen. He'll be here with us to tell us all about Juan Ramón Jiménez, the prolific poet who won a Nobel Prize in Literature. See you then. Thank you.